Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Uh, hi, I'm Mats Villander, and you are listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, hello, and welcome to the Tennis Podcast in our first Australian Open Extra. This is not a full podcast. There won't be any interviews, so don't hold that against me. We're just here to give you an update, have a chat about what's happened on the first couple of days in the first round here in Melbourne and get to grips with what's to come. It's exciting to see what will happen. I'm happy to say Catherine Whittaker is with us as usual. Catherine, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thanks. And we have a very special guest today, the Sunday Times tennis correspondent, Barry Flatman, is with us. Barry, how are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm fine, thank you, and enjoying the Australian Open so far. That's good to hear, Barry. Hard to live up to a billing like that, isn't it? Is that why you bill me so low, so I can exceed expectations? Well, what you have to understand, Catherine, is you are my protégé, and Barry, I am Barry's protégé, because in 1995, Barry invited me to a tennis tournament for the very first time. And uh, I was a sort of spindly 20-something with long hair and uh, no hopes, and Barry gave me some hopes, didn't you, Barry? Well, you didn't have... uh, That's wrong to say, David. You were always a bright, very keen young man who uh, who I could see had a future in, in, in tennis, the tennis media world and, and for once I've been proved right. You can see why I've invited Barry onto the uh, tennis podcast, can't you? Um, before we go any further, um, some rather more serious news to report, not, not about matches on court. Um, we've had some very bad news on the tennis circuit today. This afternoon it was announced by the ATP that their executive chairman and president Brad Druitt is to step down from his role after he was diagnosed with motor neurone disease. Brad will continue in the role in on an interim basis as the ATP begins the search and process for his successor. It's news that shocked and saddened everybody in the tennis world because Brad has been part of the ATP for 35 years as a player, a council and board member and the CEO of the international region in Australia before he got the top job at the ATP. He's a very popular man. He's actually made a real impact, I think, over the last 12 months, calming the players down from talk of strike action and achieving a really meaningful pay deal for them that's kept the players happy. It has been a very sombre atmosphere all around here, Barry. It's been a difficult day. Oh, incredibly difficult. You know, Brad. Brad is Brad is the top man in in, in all senses of the word. Um, he he has time for everyone in tennis. He really does. He he can talk to the youngest reporter uh, with as much patience and diligence as he can talk to Roger Federer. Um, 
a, a, a truly nice guy. Um, I, I really do feel for Brad. Yeah, so do we all here in the tennis world and obviously on the tennis podcast as well. Our thoughts very much with Brad and his family at such a difficult time. Well, now doesn't seem quite as important as it normally does to talk about tennis on the court, but, well, that's what we're here for, isn't it? So let's have a chat about what's been going on over the first couple of days on the court. Who has been, Barry, the most impressive player as far as you've seen on the men's side? I mean, there have been a few performances of note. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've got to talk about Andy Murray, who who did exactly what we wanted him to do today. Uh, I think, uh, you know, he's come into the Australian Open with a lot of expectation, um, as as we have been repeatedly told over the last five days. No brand new Grand Slam champion has ever followed up with with a second title in the very next major. Well, you know, Andy's proved. History? Uh, don't worry about that. 76 years, Fred Perry. Well, that's that one off the, out of the way. And uh, and I think he's taking the attitude the same might happen again. Um, I, 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 you know, he wasn't really worried by Robin Harser today. There were a few break points around. He fended most of them off. He got broken once, but it didn't really affect the, 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 the what happened in the end. Um, played well now goes through, plays another guy that he should beat with comparative ease. Um, that's uh, the, the chap from Portugal, isn't it? João Souza? Yes, that's right. Is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but number 100 in the world, isn't he? Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm feeling confident about that. Um, with, a, with a British hat on, I was very impressed by Jamie Baker coming through the qualifying rounds. You know, that is, that is a real feel-good story now for considering what Jamie has been through well Jamie had a, a, a very much a life-threatening illness and uh, and came back and and uh, qualified for for this through three quali couldn't quite do it today against that that human explosion machine called Lucas <laughs> Rossell that uh, blitzed um, Rafa Nadal at Wimbledon last year but he had chances and I think you know he's he's taking positives out of a negative defeat and he's going to move forward and, and good for him. Catherine the, the big difference with Murray from where I'm standing is that he, he's clinical now I mean he he polished off Haasa without any histrionics at all just straight sets off the court job done energy conserved. Yes, it wasn't that long ago that we were watching him go two sets of love down to Jürgen Meltzer in the first round of, of Grand Slams. And uh, and Robin Haaser even in exactly, the USA. Exactly, and making, a, making life just a bit too difficult for himself. But I think clinical is, is, is exactly the right word and uh, it's good to see. It's good not to have uh, butterflies in the tummy when, when you're watching him. As exciting as that can be sometimes, it's, uh, we can save that for, for the second week, I think. Yes, indeed. Of course, uh, as Barry said, he's got uh, the Portuguese player Sousa in the next round and really should come through that. There could be Florian Meyer in his section of the draw. I think it really gets interesting if he gets to the quarterfinals, doesn't it? I saw one Martin Del Potro today, Barry, one for the loss of about five games. He is dangerous, isn't he? Well, that was abundantly clear throughout most of last year, that bit by bit by bit he was getting back to that form that won him the US Open a few years ago. He's had a, he's had a very tough time. And you know, a lot of us wondered whether he would actually ever be back properly with that wrist injury, because for a guy of his height and and, and wingspan, you know, when when your wrist is uh, suspect, then then that might be the time to give up, really. But he he persevered, and everyone talks about the big four, 
Everyone says, you know, nobody outside of the big four is going to win a major. Well, if anyone can do it because he's already done it, that is one Martin Del Potro. And let me remind you, he was a player that I actually said was going to get to a final of a slam this year, wasn't he, Catherine? He was your outside pick, wasn't he? That's right, my outside pick. It was a bit of a step into the unknown for me. Okay, he was a Grand Slam champion already, I admit it. Uh, Novak Djokovic was in uh, action, wasn't he, and straight sets against Paul-Henri Mathieu. I thought he he might cause uh, Djokovic one or two more problems than that, but he wasn't having any of it, Djokovic. Clinical again. All of the top guys, Federer as well today, was was pretty clinical. Absolutely no no wobbles or worries for any of them. So it's hard to read too much into it, I think, because that's just what they do, isn't it? They're um, they're very businesslike in these opening rounds. And, and as you say, you can add Murray's name to that list of, of, of people that are just getting the job done week one and and hopefully setting themselves up for a, for a big week too. Now, I dared to say on Twitter at Tennis Podcast, if you want to get in touch and give me some stick. Um, I dared to say that Andy Murray had got the toughest draw because he'd got the quarterfinal lineup of Del Potro, then Federer, then Djokovic, most likely, if he wants to win the title. I've just been having a look, Barry, at uh, the draw that Roger Federer might have to go through. It could be third-round Bernard Tomic, fourth-round Milos Raonic, Joe Wilfred Songer in the quarters, Andy Murray in the semis before Djokovic. Yeah, I, I, I would have... I, if you'd have said what you just said about Murray having the toughest I would have argued the case for Federer because uh, yeah, you, when you get to the quarterfinals you ex- you expect to have big name players in front of you and and Del Potro Federer Djokovic you know that that is that's a tough running but that's what you're going to get in quarterfinals but but to be you know possibly Tomic in in uh, that early and then Songa who of course has a bit of previous with Federer in grand slams and knocking him out then um, then then that is far far tougher than I think you know, potential minefields in the way of Andy Murray. I have to say, we are recording this Tuesday evening uh, Melbourne time and Bernard Tomic is actually on the court at the moment. So if he gets knocked out, don't say, what are you talking about, David? You, you haven't got a clue. He's not even in the tournament because uh, he is at the moment. That's all we're saying and we expect him to come through his match uh, this evening. Other matches of note. Tomorrow night, the uh, the evening session has been announced and it features Novak Djokovic against Ryan Harrison. I, I interviewed Ryan Harrison yesterday. He's a confident young lad, Catherine. That was one I was going to draw attention to, actually, because although, as you say, Federer and, and Murray appear to be in the more difficult half of the draw, I'd say of the second round meetings, that's, that's possibly the trickiest um, for those top three. I think Ryan Harrison... I saw snippets of his match uh, yesterday. He does seem to have come on a bit to me. He's certainly taking his tennis career extremely seriously, um, and uh, he's being mentored very closely by Andy Roddick. I was, I was, I was in that uh, press conference with him yesterday, as you were, and I was so struck by how similar his his mannerisms and body language were to to Andy Roddick. It was really, it was, it was like a reincarnation, really. Um, so uh, I I would have one eye on that match I think and I I, I hope hopefully that will live up to night session billing for the for the crowd and and the fans. The one thing I would say there, Barry, he makes life slightly easier for journalists than, than Roddick did during his career. Uh, you, you're not quite walking on eggshells with uh, Harrison the way you were with Roddick. No, no, but sometimes you have to stick your neck out. Sometimes it works. Sometimes you can end up. In flames. Um, I always thought Andy Roddick's press conferences were probably the best value of any of the guys. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, there have been some real hoots with him. There's also been a few spats. But uh, I, I, I remember here, oh, I can't remember, four or five, maybe even longer ago, he played Federer 
and and for a set and a bit, Federer, I think that's the greatest I've ever seen Federer play, and I include matches against Nadal in that assessment. Just for a set and a bit against Roddick, he was just absolutely, phew, un- completely unstoppable. Yeah, unplayable. I yeah, and, and, and Roddick came in and, and he really faced the music. You know, <laughs> there was no two ways about it, and he didn't buck down from it. And he just said, you know, when somebody's like that, when somebody that somebody's Roger Federer, nothing you can do about it. I remember that vividly because Jimmy Connors was in his corner at the time and Roddick thought, you know, I've really made some progress here and I've pushed him close at the US Open. I've beaten him, I think, at the Masters Cup. And the journalist said to him, you know, you've lost a six-love set. You've come off the court in an hour and a half against Roger Federer playing like that. What did Jimmy say to you? He got me a beer. <laughs> That's all you can do, something like that, isn't it? That's all you can do because uh, Federer, Federer, Federer wasn't a mere mortal on that night. No, absolutely not. In the women's side, uh, a bit of a worry today for Serena Williams. Now, scoreline doesn't suggest so. Six love, six love, she won her match today, but she went over on her ankle, Barry, quite dramatically. She did, and she's had trouble with that ankle here before. You know, these courts, um, they're they're grippy, and and some players can have very, very awkward falls on them. and and you know when when Serena goes goes over, there's a lot a lot to go down, isn't there? So <laughs> um, you know there were um, there were concerns, and and it didn't look too clever really for a, a minute or two, longish medical timeout. But if you look at the scoreline, nothing was a problem, and uh, you know she was she was quite blasé about it afterwards. Um, all we can see is, you know, you don't really know how an injury like that is going to react until maybe the next day. So, you know, it's just a case of fingers crossed at the moment. I think she'll be all right. Yeah, there were other six-love six love scorelines involving Maria Sharapova and her opponent. She looked pretty impressive out there today. Azarenka was three-love down in the second set for a, a small while against her opponent. Eventually came through pretty handily. I was interested today, Catherine, to, to see Sloane Stephens win 6-1, 6-1, who's kind of a protege of um, Serena Williams. And I interviewed Sloane after her match today, and I was really struck with how open she was, how smiley and, and cooperative. And, OK, she'd won 6-1-6-1. She's not going to be in the worst mood, is she? But still, she's got a lot going for her. Yeah, she's, a, she's attracting a lot of attention, obviously, because of what she's doing on the court. But because of those qualities, as you say, she's, she's somebody people want to speak to and she's somebody people are rooting for to, to, to make, some, um, make some strides in the game because she would be so good for it, I think. And uh, I think there's a few people, both on the men's and women's side, Harrison, Stevens, um, that do seem to be just been talked about for a year or two and just seem to be stepping things up that little bit which is exactly what the game needs I think um, I was very impressed with Sloane Stevens. Um, didn't see any of Laura Robson's match but um, she was pretty untroubled another person who I would draw attention to is um, Donna Vekic who had one of the most well attended press conferences of the day it, um, there is quite some hype around this girl and from what I can tell it, it's quite justified well, it's a very interesting one, this, because um, I have to say, Donna Vekic, um, 
practices a mile and a half from my house. Oh, she's British then? No, 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 she's Croatian. <laughs> but she's, she's working, she works at, um, she's based at the uh, Virgin Active um, Riverside Club in Northwood, which you know very well, David. Yeah. You've, you've sweated law sweat there, haven't you? <laughs> and uh, It's not pretty. <laughs> and uh, she works, obviously, with David Felgate, who um, we all know from Tim Henman and... Uh, and uh, Director of Performance at the LTA. Um, and Donna Beckett, she is the youngest girl in the main draw. She took care of a Czech lady that I won't try and pronounce her name because I can never, but it's something like Hladkovova. Um, but, yes. What was it? Hladkovova. That's the one. That's why we have Catherine here, you see. And, but next round, she plays Caroline Wozniacki, who, who is, this time last year was world number one, but right now is about as brittle as an eggshell. And uh, I think that's going to be a very, very interesting match. Oh, let's put you on the spot. Who's going to win, Vekic or Wozniacki, Barry? Well, if, if, you know, the, the, sense, the sense in me says Wozniacki. But, but, you know, if Vekic can worry Wozniacki early on, uh, and it's going to be brutally hot on Thursday as well, and and Wozniacki doesn't, you know, really like that sort of thing too much. Um, I think we could have a massive upset on our hands. Mm, no, we'll watch that one in, with interest. There'll be no press conference room big enough for her if she <laughs> if she upsets Wozniacki on Thursday. Yeah, everybody in the whole world seems to be trying to claim her at the moment. She's Croatian, but she trains in England, She's, and she speaks with a pleasingly British accent. Though, oh, that, that that confirms it then. Final point of this first Australian Open extra here on the tennis podcast, Barry. Laura Robson and Heather Watson, both in the tournament, and who knows, maybe prospects still to go further. Yeah, very different stories from their first round matches. Um, Laura, I thought, was very assured, very dominant, never really in any problem against Melanie Udan, who, who is still very young but has a bit more experience uh, than Laura. Um, and, and I thought Laura came out of it thoroughly impressively today. Heather uh, started off and was... was pretty much in trouble and and couldn't couldn't serve properly struggled to get a forehand in court called a medical timeout had a temperature taken had a pulse taken uh, was given a couple of well i guess they were paracetamols i don't know um had a banana and uh, and then rattled off 10 of the next 12 games and looked good after that um but it was it was not the header that we expected initially um, you know, these two girls are now playing with a bit of pressure on their shoulders, uh, British expectation and all that. Um, I thought Laura coped with it far, far better than Heather. That might have been, you know, because Heather wasn't feeling very well. I'm sure it wasn't. Um, but, you know, going forward, uh, Laura now plays Petra Kvitova, former Wimbledon champion. That's winnable. Let's not forget Laura beat... Grand Slam champions Kim Clijsters and Lee Nair at the US Open last year. I personally think that Kvitova has a question mark, has had a question mark over her ever since winning Wimbledon, and um, and I think somebody like Laura, who who knows she has nothing to lose, can go out there and really again in the heat. Uh, Laura made the point um, that she's pretty used to playing in the heat now because she played Gangzhou last year got to the final it was brutally hot then did well in Palermo 
Kvitova is another one that doesn't like the heat, really doesn't like the heat. I heard actually she suffers from asthma, which yeah. wouldn't wouldn't work well at all yeah. in those conditions. So, so that, that could be another big upset. We'll, we'll look forward to seeing that one. So go on, prediction, Robson against Kvitova. Upset? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring it on, yeah. Robson in three, Robson in three. And Watson to, to defeat uh, Pervak, isn't it, she's playing next? I uh, uh, wish I could be as optimistic about that one. We will watch with interest. What do you think, Catherine, before we go? I agree with Barry. I'm predicting uh, almost confidently Robson to beat Kvitova. Kvitova's looked very shaky. I mean, I know she was playing a, a Grand Slam champion in Skiavoni today, but it, it was not a convincing victory. And she's had terrible results in Brisbane and Sydney. She's giving, she's giving us no reason to, to be confident. Laura will love the big stage. Nothing to lose, as Barry said. Can't, can't really go against that. Interesting. I'm going to go Robson too. Well, we hope you've enjoyed uh, this first Australian Open Extra on the Tennis Podcast. Barry, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure, David. It's been great to talk to you, and Catherine, we'll see you soon. I'll be here as always. We look forward to the next edition here on the Tennis Podcast. Thanks for your company. We'll talk to you soon. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.